Do you want to play your Githyanki to frightening effect? Well, join us today as we discuss running Githyanki with monstrous tactics. <laughs> Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Today, we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Yeah! Now, it's it's worth noting we are recording remotely today, as our studio is undergoing an exciting remodel. And I just realized it's in a vacuum, but hey... (laughs) (laughs) we are super excited for you to see the changes that are coming um i am super uh uh i am super stoked it's been a a fun project and we owe it all to everyone who backs us as a patreon or picks up some of our products or even just watches and shares our show thank you so much now are you guys ready to talk with yankee i am i can't speak it that's it's it, yeah gif is a, a very terrible language i'm gonna be honest <laughs> all right so uh, uh for those that don't know how about we really start with getting into what the gif yankee are and what they are about and we'll go from there how's that brandon do you want to start us off there uh yes the upcoming release of the of the much talked about spell jammer yeah what we're all excited for i'm really excited for that yeah, me too. Uh, I love D&D in space. Are you nuts? Hell yeah. <laughs> it seemed appropriate to ensure uh, that every game kicks off with a brutal beating from the mil- militaristic Githyanki, the scoundrels of the Astral Sea. <laughs> yep, they're born out of slavery originally with the Gith race. The Githyankis are fierce psychic warriors that ply the Astral Sea and fight with their silver swords. Which, fun fact, they... Ha- they- Manifest with their mind. <laughs> yes, they were. Uh, they're some of the, uh, the the most iconic psionic monsters, right? Yep. Um, if you don't know, the Githyanki and the Githzerai were once just a single race known as the Gith, enslaved by none other than evil mind flayers, those blood brain sucking bastards. Yep. They split into two separate groups after winning their freedom, and they hate Whereas each other. The- and <laughs> they hate each other. Whereas the Githserai fled to the, you know, elemental chaos and became very introspective and monistic, the Githyanki fled to the Astral Sea and became xenophobic and militaristic bastards. They built citadels and armies and from where they set out to conquer everything in their path. Holy crap. Brutal Sounds bastards. Sounds to me like the Githyanki became their oppressors. <laughs> <laughs> something along that lines yep. um, so for our topic today we'll be focusing mostly on the Githyanki knight and warrior from the monster manual but we do intend to touch on a little bit of the new stuff that came out with the mo- newest release of the Mordekainen presents monsters of the multiverse with the uh, Gish, the Kithrak and of course the Supreme Commander 
but we really want to delve into these uh, really, uh, really thoroughly and how we as dungeon masters would utilize these in a fashion that would allow us to get the most out of them from a combat's perspective, right? Yep. Everyone can introduce the lore however they want, but when it comes to running these dangerous bastards, you really got to do it right to really give that spell jammer feel because the Githyanki are just the, the, the pirates of the astral sea or of space and spell jammer, right? Arr. So we want to, <laughs> we want to run them that way. We want to get the most out of them. So maybe we should start with some of the more common features and traits that the Githyanki share. Um, Ian, do you want to touch on a few of those? Well, first and foremost, all of them have some sort of like um, telekinetic feature. Like, the mm -hmm. warrior at the bottom of the barrel, they can do Mage Hand. But, what? many other of them, other Githyanki can, can also use uh, Telekinesis as well, too. On top of all that. And another common th theme you see throughout most of the various Githyanki is some sort of teleportation. Like, the warriors, for example, have Misty Step. Mm -hmm. As do the knights. But, the, but anything above the, the warrior, such as the knights, have Plane Shift. And a few of them have Dimension Door and just a straight-up teleportation ability. So, Right. So that's a really good, well-rounded uh, mechanic to start with, right? So yeah. um, starting with the, the Warrior that's just a CR3, they start off at an armor class of 17. That is pretty high. That is a very high AC for a monster, I think, um, especially at CR3. Um, they aren't wearing shields or anything like that. They're in full. They're in half plate. Um, which gives them uh, quite a bit of durability on top of their 50 hit points that they have on average. Um, Brandon, what are some of the other uh, standout stats that... Uh... Brennan crashed. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll keep going then. <laughs> um, so the other the other feature for uh, I'd like to talk about is the fact that um, they really have they have several strong saving throws: Constitution, Intelligence, and Wisdom. Yep. They are very good at shaking off those different sorts of effects, um, such as mind control, right, poisons, yep. um, and most uh, and, and more importantly, um, like fear effects and stuff. And their traits represent that, right? And looking at the various step blocks, Con and, and Wisdom seems to be the, the big ones that just seem to carry throughout the step blocks overall. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Ian already mentioned some of the other uh, features that they have. Um, one of the things that makes the Githyanki so iconic is their gr silvery greatswords. These are very unique. They're not just regular greatswords. They're very special and require quite a... Um, it's quite an honor to, to, to be able to hold and utilize one of these things. Um, so... Moving through their kind of list of mechanics, well, you mentioned Mage Hand. So, in a combat scenario, what do you think a, a militaristic tactical Githyanki would you do with Mage Hand in a situation that could benefit them that a DM could utilize? Well, in combat, it would depend on the situation for sure. But I could easily see them using it to manipulate the environment to their advantage in some way, shape, or form. So, just like to. Like trigger traps, for example, is something I can see, for example. Ooh, that's a good one. So, uh, because and also for those of you who don't know, uh, part of the Githyanki is their mage hand is invisible. It's yep. very much like the arcane trickster, Ledgermain, right? Yep. So, uh, being able to use it to trigger traps and ambushes. Remember, they're a militaristic uh, uh, group, so they're going to have strategies. They're going to set up ambushes, and so utilizing invisible mage hand to trigger those. 
is way more reliable than hoping your your uh, characters stumble into them, correct? Yeah. Um, which I think is, is a big deal. It can also be used um, to as a distraction, you know, sending, using their, their telekinesis mage hand to lob objects and things to create a distraction um, of the, uh, for the player characters can draw their attention away, right? Yep. So there's a, actually a lot of uh, good uses for that. Welcome back, Brandon. Um, uh, Dalcinia says, uh, kind of fits the theme. The silvery swords are similar to silvery mists that dominate the astral plane. Absolutely. Um, so, um, so we kind of talked about mage hand aside from just triggering traps and drawing distractions. I think that in a situation where you have the githyanki, just having them use that to move things around, like drawing their own weapon and then having it float into their hand really gives off a good thematic and intimidation feel, right? I mean, how would you feel if a, if a guy just holds out his hand and the sword on his back just kind of levitates and detaches and floats over into his hand? To me, that would be a really fun way to inti- try to intimidate the characters, right? Oh, yeah. And I can also see it being used, even if it's just for flavor purposes, that being their go-to methodology for tossing alchemist fire or stuff like that. Oh, yes. Using using items like alchemist fire. That's another great one, right? Yep. Because um, dropping isn't really... I mean, some dropping something they can do. Maybe they can or cannot throw it. I don't really know the uh, raws on that, but at the very least, it floating over and dropping an alchemist fire, ball bearings, cow traps, all those things are very piratey too, right? Yep. Arr. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Brandon, do you want to? Uh, I want to kind of touch on some of their other uh, powers that Ian mentioned with the, uh, um, oops, with the. Uh, the jump and misty step. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Uh, yeah, the jump and misty step spell work wonderfully together. Yeah, uh, jumping up to their movement speed. Holy shit! Uh, God, jumping up to their movement speed and then teleporting with misty step and allowing them to close larger gaps than normal without the aid of the dash action, which is perfect for the Githyanki warrior and fighter, as they tend to favor melee combat combat or a psionic duel now being able to jump your speed is that what that just said yeah 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 is that their like lack of gravity or is that just something they could do it's just a part of their uh their their spells right so yep. misty step allows you to, to to teleport so far and so now um a githyanki can move up to their full 30 feet and then still misty step. So, or they have uh high strength so they can leap off of their spell jammer ships halfway between another ship and then teleport to the other side, right? So there's a lot you can do to close that gap. They're very good gap closers, but that also means they're excellent tacticians in retreating, right? Yep. Um, being able to jump in, deliver a devastating blow, and then teleport out without provoking an op attack allows Githyanki warriors to easily surround characters and jump in and out and avoid taking the blows themselves, um, becoming a stronger threat to the characters, right? Yep. And, um, yeah. And something we have to note, too, is like, that's because from the fact that you can use, use a jump spell three times per day, the warriors at the very least, they get Missy mm-hmm. Step, which you can use three times a day, and they get Non Detection, which you can cast on themselves. Yes. You just mentioned something that I nearly forgot there, uh, even though Brandon just talked about it. Um, the jump spell triples your jump, right? Yep. So you can, they could, in theory, jump up to, you know, 90 feet or whatever. But typically, you're still limited per turn on how far your walk speed. Is that correct? Or does the jump spell overcome that? 
I would assume the jump spell would overcome that if you can, well, jump more than your move speed between using right, the jump right. spell. At least that's how we rule with, with a monk I've used in the past. Yeah, so you're talking... Just grayish, this grayish-green-skinned creature just looking at you from 100 yards away, clearing. He's like, oh, what's he gonna do? And he's just like, meow! <laughs> I mean, so now you're talking, uh, the jump basically gives them 90 feet plus Misty steps another 120 feet. They can close those gaps, which are perfect for jumping from ship to ship, right? Yep. Um, and that, for me, that's one of the best tactical ways that I would use it. But there's something I also thought about that'd be fun. Because most Spelljammer f- battles are going to take place and say something like a, uh, like on a ship, right? In the middle of, you know, space. Basically grabbing somebody as they get Yankee and jumping over the edge and then letting go and just teleporting yourself back to the top um, would be awesome. Would What do you think about that? That's just plain dangerous. Especially if there's somewhere for them to crash. Um, so... All right, uh, so that's that gives us a really good over uh, overlook of the kind of the start of the Githyanki's abilities. Uh, Ian already mentioned the non-detection spell, which is great for them to hide from any who seek to track them with divination magic. When you're doing Spelljammer, you're going to want to expect to see lots of uh, spells that usually aren't used for tracking, yep. uh, especially spying on characters. Uh, what is it? Uh, scrying, right? Yeah. That's going to be big in a big giant space like that. So it would make sense that they would have access, which means they can't be tracked, which means they can easily manage to gather, um, to ambush enemies that otherwise would be aware of any threats coming in. Um, uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit there, uh, Ian? And the knight, on top of that, can use the tongue spell, which allows them to converse and also give strategies in their own gift tongue, and they can also overhear the strategy of their enemy, who may not know that the gift Yankee can understand them. And that can give them insight and some high ground over the enemy, if you will, as they communicate with their allies. Ooh, And they can even get the high ground already between jump and missy step, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Um, so that's some really good stuff. We mentioned the 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 silvery silvery swords. Brandon, do you want to touch on that for a second? The legendary silver swords that Githyanki carry are prized possessions, for good reason too. Uh, they can not only cut but deal psychic damage. What? Wow. Yep. Combined with multi attack, it can be very difficult to defend against. It can even separate a body from its astral project projected form. Yes. Which means death, no matter how powerful they are. That what is a very... Fuck? So people forget about how potent legendary sh- uh, silver swords are. Yep. When you're on the astral plane, you are in astral projection in most cases. In most cases. It's not always going to be the case. But generally for player characters, astral projecting is far more common than actually sending their entire physical bodies there. Yep. If that happens, you just took the threat of a dreamlike sequence into... Oh, your soul and body are now disconnected. You're dead. Sorry. Well, with the Githyanki Knight, here's what it says for their Silver Sword entry. They do 2d6 plus 6 damage because, well, it's a plus 3 Great Sword when they wield it. Just maybe they have uh, what Morpheus said to Neo. Yeah. Until you said it wasn't real. Your mind <laughs> makes it real. Your mind makes it yeah. real. I love so if it. You die, if you die in the Matrix, you die here. The body cannot live without the mind. But anyway. It's really good. And with the Knight, <laughs> it says, on a critical hit... If the target is using an astral body, as with the astral projection spell, the Gizganki can cut the silvery cord that tethers the target to its material body instead of damage. Yeah. Now, and let me awesome. bring up the um, astral projection spell quickly, because I don't believe it kills them, it just removes them from the astral plane. 
Uh, I think um, it mentions in the actual book that if you're uh, when you're astral projecting, specifically, you're you're held together by this tether, and if that tether is cut, you're dead. That's the words of another spell, so we can assume that since that uh, is a projection spell, that rings true for anybody that's bound to that tr- bound to that scenario, unless they physically plane shift there, which is another powerful the Gift Yankee Knight has. Yep, this okay. is something that is okay. Well, I, I, I found the line: if the cord is, is cut, something can only happen when an effect specifically states that, that it does. Your soul and body are separate, killing you instantly. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So that's a very specific instance, right? Yes. But I think as a DM, that should be something we should leverage, right? Because yep. think about how terrified your players' characters will be in the middle of a battle when they have these tethers behind them. Not only do they got to worry about getting hit, but now they got to be concerned that something doesn't sweep by and chop that thing off. Um, and it does mention, so, too, that any other, otherwise, if you're reduced to zero hit points, the spell ends for you and you basically snap back to your body. So. Yeah. Um, so we we're uh, talking about plane shifting when it comes to tactical battles. Uh, um, that's a, 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 a big, big thing with, uh, Githyanki. They are intelligent. They're tactical. They will retreat when needed. They will reassess tactics and call an audible to strat- uh, strategy as needed in the heat of a battle. A cleric, for instance, casting a blessed spell on allies may instantly call attention to a very, uh, methodical Githyanki. They would likely just change targets in the middle of battle um, to weaken their foes, knowing that they're either being health is being restored, they're being buffed by a spell, whatever it is, they're trained to identify those things. So in battle with strong enemies who is absorbing much of their attention, they can decide it's better just to incapacitate them and then go deal with something bigger threat, um, which means uh, one I, once again, coming back to kind of the grappling, I can see one Githyanki focusing on grappling and pinning down one that's being used as a <laughs> shield while everyone else does with the weaker ones. You know, the uh, uh, the uh, a knight may instead choose to use, you know, telekinesis to, to lift a foe in the air, just leave them there. And then while they're flailing and go and deal with a more bigger threat, right? Yep. Brandon, what do you think? I'm picturing a barbarian just flailing in the middle of the air, being so pissed it can't do anything. It's like the Hulk saying, oh, I'm going to smash you! Not while you're stuck up there, my friend. <laughs> they are not mindless creatures, but instead are well-organized militaristic soldiers. New militia! Yep. They will plot ambushes, traps, and other ways to gain the upper hand. Uh, when it comes to a threat of a losing battle, they will even retreat. Yeah. Huh. The knight's ability to cast plane shift easily allows them uh, and up to seven other allies to teleport to other planes of out of danger. Yep. Up to seven. Yep. Uh, ready to return later? Better prepare for your characters. So because they have the, the plane shift power for the knight and they're losing, they will just retreat and come back later. And that is more of a danger to the characters than not because now they know what the characters can do. And they can better prepare. They can change up their tactics accordingly. And I think that is super important with spacefaring pirates. Is they're not going to fight to the death. They're going to jump back on their spell jammer and shoot out and then stalk you and come back later. And you know what they're going to do? They're really smart. They're going to do it when you're already in the middle of something else. Especially if you've got something they want. And that right there, that's the big thing. First of all, they hate you because you're different. That's fucked up. 
Yeah, they hate you because you're different. They they hate you because you probably have something they want, and they hate you because you're just in their in their area, right? In yep. their territory. They're very douchey like that and are trying to conquer everything. So the, they should play like that, right? Especially with access to things like Plane Shift and Dimension Door with, like, the Gish that allows them to dart around and retreat and send messages to other people to share the information about the characters. That makes them a bigger threat than just their CR would indicate. Now, it's also worth mentioning, too, that the Silver Swords, they count as plus three great swords when the wielders, the creator are using them. And it's also mentioned that they basically picture each sword as a relic. And if anybody yes. kills a Gith Yankee and goes, well, it's mine now, the Gith will hunt oh. them down until they retrieve those silver swords back because they value them that much. And you're right on spot there, uh, Ian, that when it comes to those swords, they are amazing plot hooks because you can literally give a plus three legendary sword to somebody with the silver sword and then they can yep. dig in the knowledge or they just keep getting attacked, right? Okay. But it's not a plus three if anybody else grabs it. It's only a plus three for the Gizanki that makes it. It really? does outright say that and there's that block. <laughs> what? I thought that there, uh, there, uh, and there was a, a detail in the monster manual that actually said that uh, it's still a magical greatsword for anybody that uses it. Okay. Well, what it says precisely is a silver sword is the equivalent to a greatsword and takes on the price of plus three greatsword in the hands of its creator. Mmm. Okay. Okay. So it's still a... Uh, okay. Alright, uh, so... Um, moving back into the combat aspect, what are some uh, other ways that we can really get the most out of the mechanics that we've been given by the Githyanki? Well, as one of our uh, people in chat already mentioned, the knights and the warriors, they ride red dragons. Yes, riding red dragons. That takes the battle to a whole new level now, right? Yep. Yeah. And I actually and recall I that... one time in a fourth edition game, we were basically in a siege scenario, and one of the creatures that were attacking on the opposing army were, were Githyanki, who were riding packed dragons. And my mm -hmm. Jack Wagon a, a Barbarian decided to jump on one, one of the dragons, kill his rider, and try to tame the dragon. But I, he did I not realize that they, it was a pecked dragon, and only a rider it bonds to can actually ride it. <laughs> and yeah. also apparently mentioned it in stat block, in 4th edition anyway, that when his rider dies, it teleports back to the Astral Sea. <laughs> So my barbarian ended up talking the actual scene with the dragon. Tell Senio over here breaking the game. Yep. Oh yeah? How so? Uh, asking the question, what would that still work if the handle was wrapped in the tanned skin of its creator? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> A people leather handle? Yes. <laughs> but Gith leather. The, the, the thing that I think is interesting uh, uh, about these creatures is they're they are everything that is typically evil. They they literally strive for to conquer, right? These warlike Githyanki, they are um they are brutal. Yep. Um even after everything they went through with the bloodshed and everything, they are brutal creatures. So as DMs when we're playing them, try to play them that way. Make them be careless. Make them or make them be uh not careless, thoughtless. 
Make them so that they, they don't care what they do. But make sure their motives are clear. Whether it's just conquering and stealing. Whether it's servitude and trying to enslave other people. Um, or maybe it's just a pure desire for uh, vengeance or expanding their their area. They're big on slavery, which is funny when they, considering they were slaves. Um, but all that should tie into the way you unfold them. Especially when using tools such as manacles or something, right? Ugh. You know my groan, <laughs> and why. <laughs> I gotta say that uh, they're ballsy, too. Yep. Because um, I believe the reason why they can ride red dragons is because they made a deal with Tiamat. They did. They did? They made a they made a pact with her. And that's why they're able to have the red dragon friends. So the question is, is um, the red dragons, are they particularly friendly, or they just have to do what they're told? by their uh their mother right team that's their the red dragon mother is that i think that's true um and so you know with val of uh, is it vlacketh the lich queen um of the who's actually yeah she's the i think she's the leader of the githyanki if i'm not mistaken yeah um who takes so, over when the current leader dies for one reason or another <laughs> yep um and i think that as um Dungeon Masters, we can lean into some of that stuff, right? Yep. Um, whether they're they're raiding an area because she said she's got her own agenda. Maybe they don't know about it. But whoever... Because uh, um, I think Gith... Uh, uh, the Gith actually sought out allies during the, the, the uprising of the Illithids and stuff. And so all that is stuff that's constantly, constantly taking place in the, in the, sea, the space-faring realm of Spelljammer. And so you want to make sure that that's brought to life. You can have encounters of these without having encounters. Imagine your characters are on their first Spelljammer ship and they're coming, you know, up to a, a new plane or something. And in the distance, there's a giant nautiloid being piloted by mind flayers, being chased by, you know, Gith on the dragon back and, and on their own Spelljammer. Get back here, you know? bitch! Yep. <laughs> it's worth noting that... And many of the staff left with Gith Yankee, they do go out of their way to mention that when you're on the actual sea, you do not age. So they have military academies on the mortal realm, so their children can age to adulthood. And it's also worth mentioning that the red dragons they ride earlier like to participate in raids on the, on the mortal plane as much as possible so they can get older and stronger. Mm-hmm. And it mentions that they it. only serve the Githyanki usually only during their younger years, and they li are dismissed when they reach adulthood and are replaced by younger dragons. So that kind of answers yeah. that question a little bit there. And For the sure. Githyanki have, I believe, a uh, tradition where when they get the coming of age, they become an adult when they bring the head of a mind flayer to their tribes. Ooh, that's nice. Now, if you guys are looking to play, uh, play some characters out there uh some githyanki races that certainly sounds like an uh, amazing motivation to go out to me <laughs> and it's also worth mentioning so, too that in fifth edition they give a lot of lore for the uh gith in one of ken's tome of foes so that's just worth mentioning yep. just because a is a good book to begin with and b absolutely Unfortunately, you can't unless you already own it. You can't buy it on Beyond anymore, unfortunately. But that's another topic unto itself that I won't get into. Yep. But yeah, uh, Dalcinia makes a good point, and I think this is something that should be very wary to every dungeon master on the Astral Sea. 
Movement isn't determined by typical movement. Because you can move in three dimensions, it's actually determined by your intelligence score. So all those people who dump their intelligence are going to feel it. <laughs> like, why am I moving like I'm moving through molasses? Um, anyways, when it comes to the, the Gif Yankee, in order to really get the most out of it, you want to utilize their high mobility. You want to utilize their ruthlessness. Um, use their trickery and their 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 tactics to gain as much information on the characters um prepare ambushes and, and and wait i mean i can totally see a group of adventures on their own spell jammer traveling and entering an area where their spell jammer just goes and stops working what's um, going on and then being ambushed by you know red dra- uh, on dragonback who are lighting the area on fire first burning the surface so now you've got a hazardous terrain then jumping on to deal with the, the 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 characters and leveraging that weakening them softening them up before they actually engage them because really what the hell are your characters going to do when they're got dragon uh githyanki on dragon back flying around you know blasting them with you know fire and and throwing you know pebbles and shit at them because <laughs> you know they get the telekinesis any like trash <laughs> i do find it interesting that the both the knight, the warrior, and let me see here, the commander don't have range attacks. But considering all their teleportation crap they can do, go figure. <laughs> well, they, they also have telekinesis, anyway. right? So they can actually just launch random objects. And I think that's another thing that you can really lean into. You know, uh, there's a lot of random shit floating in space, right? At least oh, that's yeah. what we, we say. So can you imagine just somebody flying around on Dragonback and pointing to an asteroid, which turns out just to be the skull of a dead giant just lobbing uh, across, streaking and smashing into the, the, the hull of the, the spell jammer you're on? Yep. Um, so I also looked at this for the heck of it. But in 5th edition, anyway, I do not see an official step like for... Flalkith, who is the, once again, the undead lich queen of the Githyanki, so I guess you just be using a lich stat block, but hey. Mm-hmm. That's okay, that's okay. Yeah. Um, Alright, is there any other tactical things you would you, you think could really get the most out of some of these features, uh, Ian or Brandon? As we touched already, they can hit like a truck in melee. All of them. They can tele- teleport, which also means they can GTFO if needed. And... As we firmly established between the dragons, the silver swords, and a few other things, they can be you can easily see the same Githyanki over and over again and have them be ongoing enemies that you have to deal with. And and you make a really good point there. So I can totally see them first encountering a specific Githyanki who is just a warrior. And then they fight and they lose, they retreat, they come back as a knight. They fight, they lose, they retreat, they come back as a gish. And this could, you, you're right on, this could be an ongoing encounter, one that slowly develops a relationship with the characters. That means learning what they like, what they don't like, their strengths, their weaknesses, and talking a lot of terrible shit about them. Uh, i got a question about the Githyanki here. They're little sure. silver swords. When you kill one, if you take one, they're going to chase it down trying to get it back. Do they know the location of that sword? Uh, the like, assumption like is they know kid. somebody died and they will find out. Um, it's just like tracking anything down. They'll dedicate the resources, as far as I understand it, to locating that, that relic. And there are located item um, spells, too, so that seems yep. not other than a possibility. And that comes back to like the scry mechanics and stuff we were talking about, too. Yeah. You know, There are a lot of spells that don't get as much use that I feel like will be a big deal when you're doing spell jammer because 
It's not like you can say, where do you go? Oh, I'm going to pass the, the big giant dragon, dragon spine mountains and hang a left down the valley. And it's right there. No, it's big empty space, you know? Yep. You know, I can actually picture a, a individual gets Yankee that you form a enmity with, eventually them becoming mm-hmm. frenemies, if you will. Because I can easily I picture that. picture like the party is in a spot, but then they get but then they get the Yankees hunting you down, pops out of nowhere, and kills your enemies, helping you out to build you out. Just them saying, "No one kills you but me." <laughs> Ooh, I love that. Can you so they're they're so they're Gith Yankees using their 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 connections and their their spying and stuff and you're in trouble, your character's getting their butt kicked, and then you think as out of nowhere this Gith Yankee ship, you recognize the the this spell jammer ship appears out of nowhere and you're like, shit, we're getting our asses kicked already. Now Dipstick shows up and he helps you, then kicks you in the face and says, You're mine, like Vegeta <laughs> does to Goku all the time. Yeah, right? Nobody kicks your ass but me. <laughs> So I think it's all wonderful, um, and there's lots of good stuff, uh, 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 good things you can do with this. And with Spelljammer coming out, you're certainly going to want to lean into the, the this 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 race of creatures and their lore and all that stuff, or replace it with your own lore. That's fine too. But these are what make uh, the the Spelljammer such a fun setting. These alien space pirates i'd like to point out that i have played baldur's gate 3 and the you get a gith yankee lady and she's a total bitch and i kill her off every chance i get um because she drives me nuts <laughs> she's rude and don't command me i'm the i'm the one in charge it's cold. um yeah she pissed me off i was like i'm just gonna roll a fighter myself yep um so yes but the, the game captures that sort of persona very very well um oh. so i think oh and yep. any of the uh, gith yankee no fireball just saying yeah, you gotta blow spell jammers out of the air, sky, space, yep. astral plane. Anyways, I think that'll do it for our main topic today: monster tactic Gith Yankee. Um, so happy hunting, heroes! <laughs> All right. Uh, before we move on to our unearth tips and tricks, we want to take a moment to talk about murder in Shielding Peaks. Um, it's a high up and unforgiving uh, uh, murder style adventure. In it, the characters are accused of murder. The characters are accused. And that means that they got to either just accept it and wipe out the village, which is, I guess, a thing some parties members might do. But if they're really heroes, they're going to try to uh, understand why they're being blamed and what really happened, right? So this 5th edition adventure um, is meant to be played over a single or maybe a, a two-night session. It's a tier two for three to five, where it starts out de- deceptively simple murder mystery, but quickly, quickly unravels into something very dark. I don't know about you guys, but I love murder mysteries, um, and I don't think enough of them are done. Um, while I feel it is a little niche, it's something that's unique and fun enough that you got to try at least a couple of times every few, uh, every once in a while. Now, I've not read this adventure, but I'm kind of curious to see how it's set up, because I can easily see some spells disrupting the entire thing from the get-go. <laughs> Oh, yes. And that does get uh, addressed. Good. Um, so if you want to uh, check this out, head on over to rebrand.ly slash murder in the peaks. Um, this Kickstarter is looking juicy and I think is mostly already written. So, um, all right. Uh, check that out and let me know what you think. And now what you've all been waiting for. 
our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our monster variant today is the Lizardfolk Sovereign Blade. The origin for this is the Minotaur. We're going to start with that stat block as the basis. And it gains a few new features. Such as the Amphibious, which means it can now swim. Suckers. And <laughs> it also gains Superiority Dice, which it has three of, which are D8s. And it can expend those ex Superiority Dice to use a maneuver, like the Battlemaster Fighter. It's awesome. Yep. And as such, it gains, well, maneuvers. Parry, Riposte, and Fainting Strike. Flurry of Steel recharges on a six. The Lizard Folk can move up to half its speed. During this movement, the Lizard Folk can make an attack against up to three creatures. It passes within its reach during the movement. Uh, attacks against the Lizard Folk have disadvantage while moving in this way. <laughs> what do you guys think about this monster, the Lizard Folk Sovereign Blade? I find it interesting that the maneuvers selected here are defensive in nature. So ah yes, and and that's uh, uh, the lore that I'm writing up for this monster for our patrons. Uh, dowels into these are more like defender guardians than they are vicious assaulter, which fits that theme. But their recharge ability is very um, um, Ooh, pretty. Yeah, brutal. The artwork's great, gorgeous too. So um, the fact that they get parry allows them defense, repose, counter, feigning, and distractions to grant openings. And of course, with Flurry of the Sto uh, Steel, they can move up to half their speed and then make a, any number of attacks up to three creatures as it passes. I imagine it's like whirling its blades very much like a uh, like a samurai as it's just passing people. Um, the lore on this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, do you see any uh, uh, advantageous ways you would run this in combat? I mean, just fighting more than one of these, good luck keeping them down, and they can hit how many people in one go? And not to mention, to I three. can easily see them using the Flurry of Steel to get to the back line very fast to take out the, the spellcasters. That is an excellent, excellent point. Uh, and think, I, I can imagine the wizard just pissing himself as he's got the, this little army of characters defending him, and then this thing just swirls its blades, pass right through, slices them up, and is like right in front of them. Their its tongue slashing around as it it growls and bellows at them. The one thing I always think would be interesting is the fact that it's amphibious and can go underwater for extended periods of time. Means they can good, they could, they have the potential to be effective ambushers too. Yeah, actually, that's a question. This is this is technically a maneuver and not an actual attack, right? Uh, it is. It does not fall under the attack action, if that's what you're asking. So you can use flurry of steel, attack up the three creatures just to get to the target that you want, and then attack them. No, it still requires an action. It's just not the attack action, right? Yeah. So uh, right. that's a that's so, a mechanical that's a mechanical difference that I don't think is a big deal here. Um, it's yeah, like uh, think of it as a low level dragon's breath, I guess. Except instead of breath, it's steel. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I apologize for any confusion. If that confuses people, let me know, and I will consider rewriting that. Yeah, yeah I might want to clarify. Um, it's a standard action to use. If other than that, yeah. <laughs> well, in the yeah in the stat block, it's the, it's under action, but I will fix that. Yeah. All right. So um, otherwise, I really like this the lizard folk sovereign blade. I wanted something meaty. I wanted something that was focused on defense and not offensive, because we see all monsters that are always got all these abilities to deal damage. This one has more that allow it to avoid it. Right. Which makes it pretty tanky and meaty. So, 
All right, I think that'll do it for our monster, the Lizard Folk Sovereign Blade. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Scene Grinder. If you don't know, Scene Grinder is the first browser-based 3D virtual tabletop. It can manage any role-playing game system, including our favorite, 5th edition. This platform is visually stunning, mobile-friendly, and easy to use with no server setups or applications to download. With their mantra, more gaming, less work, the system manages and streamlines so many different features. My personal favorite is the auto-targeting for area of effects. The algorithm just kind of knows. It's glorious. No more of that trying to bust out the ruler and measure everything. It tracks initiative, held actions, turn order, everything you need. All the players can easily capture all their journal records. Um, story notes, dice rolls, actions, and messages all in a single program. No more need for multiple apps. One of the features I'm most excited about is their World Manager organizes maps of all scales, game narrative, characters, and NPCs all in one location. If this sounds exciting to you, then you need to head on over to rebrand.ly slash scenegrinder today. Our in counter of the podcast is the sly salvages you guys are really gonna like this one malfunctioning goblin harvester golem we're gonna use the animated stat uh, animated armor stat block for that stand between claude a goblin scrapper and what he feels is his rightful salvage through claude uh though claude mentions that the numbers are much too large to handle head-on Claude recommends that the character speak to a friend of his named Gwart, a goblin artificer who may have a few tips before heading in to deal with the golems. The blunt-spoken alchemist finds a flaw in Claude's plan and instructs the characters in the finer points of destroying golems. By dispatching four golems in the workshop near the abandoned guild hall, you can weaken it to a sufficient level. Uh, Gwart believes that using their distance controller of the functioning golems, the characters may be able to thin the Horde, and reach some of the arcane crystals that are powering the golems. The golems may not be able to take out all of them, but enough to allow the characters to delve in and disable the crystals. Once the crystals are disabled, the golems they control will have lost their lease on an existence of meaningless wandering. Upon completion, Claude is indeed pleased and salivates over his coming pillage. In exchange for your service... Grort and Claude offer the characters the Manual of Golems, a tome that contains information and incantations necessary to make a particular type of golem. The GM chooses the type or determines it randomly. What do you guys think about this encounter? You know, getting a tome of golems is very handy because I don't think most people realize how expensive golems are to make in this game. Very. Yes. It's, it sounds like a familiar scenario, and I don't know why. Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you exactly where I'm going with this. The fact that the characters will basically control their own goblin harvester golems and wade into battle with the monsters first instead of their characters allows the players to share and move equipment from their own characters to these basic... Uh, uh, these constructs that they just mow into battle with, um, which I think is really, really interesting. And it gives you a reason to let the characters play monster on monster battle for a little bit, just to weaken it, to allow the regular characters to go in. You gave the players avatars. <laughs> I did. I gave them avatars. <laughs> and let me see here. The thing which may you get a 
Clay Golem takes 30 days to make, as I mean you spend 8 hours per day to do it uninterrupted, costing 65k gold. Flesh Golem, oh, shit. 60 days, 50,000 gold. Iron Golem, 120 days with 100k gold, and then Stone Golem, 90, 80k gold. And, when you finish a golem, the manual burns up. Yep, one time. Don't forget. Um, so overall, I thought this was a fun uh, little uh, romp into manipulating little robots, I guess. They're not constructs, not robots, but um, I thought it would be really fun, and it's something that's a little less... It's more fun than, like, brutal, though it could be if they tried to go... It should be if they tried to go on without using the 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 malfunctioning or the goblin harvesters to take them out right so yep uh, all right uh think that'll do it for our encounter the sly salvages um i would like to take a moment to let everyone know that we did hit 10,000 followers on and subscribers on youtube Fuck so yeah. everyone that supports us and follows us on youtube uh, everyone that's on tiktok where we passed uh 20,000 recently so we continue to grow and thank you i want to thank you all for your support thank you okay yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brandon, you want to tell us about our magic item? Yes, the magic item of the Binding Mall. It is a mall. It's very rare, and of course requires attunement. When you attack a creature with this magic weapon and roll a 20 on the attack roll, conjured psionic chains erupt from the creature. The target is grappled with an escape DC of 15 and is restrained. A creature that starts its turn restrained in this way takes 2d6 psychic damage. The gift that As a bonus action. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> As a bonus action, you can probe the mind of the creature that's restrained by the chains. The creature must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom saving throw, or you learn one discrete piece of information of the GM's choosing known by the creature. Yeah. What do you guys think of the Binding Mall? I want to hear what chat thinks, too. Because you, you can you can learn what people are thinking about just by hitting them. Yeah, I mean, um, if you <laughs> well, roll a natural you can, twenty, you can do that without a magic item if you wanted to. I guess <laughs> Delcinia loves his magic items in favorite segment. Um, so here, when you hit a creature and score a crit, it conjures magical chains that bind the creature. Yep. But what's really cool is you can use it to dig into their mind and pull out details. This is literally the best interrogation weapon. You beat them till you find the information you want. Yep. <laughs> what? You're welcome. Can be handy. Uh, do you guys have any comments or thoughts on this? Or, I mean, he's like a truck and just rewards those crits. And obviously, a fighter is going to love this. Especially when they gain more than two attacks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cause, and, and that's one of the benefits. Originally, I had in mind this would be something for a, uh, a barbarian, because I think it fits really well with reckless attack, trying to go crit fishing. Sure. Um, but I think that it just uh, was, and it, it seemed to fit the theme of the Githyanki, right? Sure. A mall that basically just beats somebody in until the, and it buys them with magical chains. So, yep. Club of memory sucking. <laughs> Lots of truth. Nah. <laughs> That's we've run we've run out of the knockoff spray. Well, grab the forget me stick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for our magic item, the binding mall. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Yep. Our dungeon master tip are vignettes. Vignettes are a powerful tool to add special moments to character interactions. It can be a specifically shaped scene in which players respond to dramatic situations that you create that may or may not involve a current character. It can take on numerous forms like 
flashbacks, dream sequences, or even third-person teasers. <laughs> Giggity. Anyway, uh, each of these powerful vignettes uh, can change the way the players' characters and the players themselves perceive the world. The interactions during a vignette can dramatize, yeah, dramatize current conflicts between the characters and the NPCs. My personal favorite is third-person vignettes. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Uh, this allows me as the DM to foreshadow events uh, through NPCs that the characters themselves are playing by casting the players in the role of the NPCs. This is really great. Vignettes um, really are awesome for opening up adventures and scenes to new villains, locations, and worlds the players themselves are not familiar with. So if done well, you can even have the players hate the villain before their characters ever encounter them. I mean, if you played a character that was tortured by the Wild King for failing at a task, would you be able to separate your own personal feelings from it? What a great opportunity to really show how the world perceives and feels about a particular character before the character player characters get to meet them. And I think that's something can be a powerful tool. What do you guys think about this Dungeon Master tip? It's good. good. And I never... And you don't really see players play other NPCs too often, so that can be an interesting uh, tool to leverage. Oh, for sure. What about you, B? Yep. Uh, I just like the idea of throwing characters or players into the shoes of an NPC or something that's not theirs. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reminds me of, um, uh, what was it, Final Fantasy IX? Mm-hmm. Was that the one with Dagger? And, uh, yep. Yeah, uh, where, where you get the... Um, the, the random events where you push select and it would take you away from main characters and show you what's going on over here. Yep. Yeah, that's what that makes me think of. I like it's that. very much like that, where you have the option to view other scenes that are away from your primary character. And you see that a lot in other mediums, right? Where you get scene cuts of the villain plotting against the characters or something. And, <laughs> um, as the watcher, we get to experience that, but the players, the, the main story antagonists, aren't aware, right? And so it allows us to build connections through flashbacks and dream sequences and third person, you know, teasers to really flesh out the the story. And Andrew actually says the actual play podcast quid pro role does this very well and is actually central to their story there. So um, it is a powerful tool and it can be so much fun. It can be. Um, all right. That'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. Should we be changing that? Because some of the tips we come up are very dickish. It's super dickish. Maybe we'll have to come up with something else. Well, let's be real here. Don't be a dick is a good tip. What do you do after that? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So if the if uh, Crit Nation out there has got a better uh, concept uh, or name, let me know. Today we're going to be talking about Bardic Guidance. Ability checks are plentiful and healthy for a uh, game of D&D. Yeah, Whether it's... During ex- exploration, in the midst of combat, or in the middle of a conversation, dungeon masters are sure to ask players, uh, their players to make an ability check at one point or another. Sometimes these crucial roles can be the difference between sneaking into an enemy's underground lair unnoticed or rousing the unwanted attention of the entire force. Talk about bad timing for a natural one, right? It's... 
it's cases like these like that make the combination of bardic inspiration and guidance so influential. Did you know that they stack? You can use them together. A player receives an additional 1d6 and a 1d4 to the add to their ability checks. That can be the significant difference between success and failure because think about it. Even with a stealth check for instance, let's assume a character has no modifiers and they roll a 1. They still have a chance to get an 11 on the roll, which is far better yep. than um, not having those at all. Okay. Um, so my question to you guys are, what are some other features you think that would benefit from this? Well, you mentioned stealth. Or, well, really, any skill check can benefit from, from this. So, so arcana stuff, that can be handy. Some really checks, survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That works. What what about someone who's hanging for dear life over a cliff edge, but they have levels of exhaustion, so that kind of need that inspiration. Ooh, they would need that boost, wouldn't they? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, exhaustion is brutal, and having this can really uh, definitely offset um, the penalties that you get there, especially with disadvantage. Um, and there's a, a myriad of different abilities that can stack on this. There's an, a, a magic spell called Enhanced Strength, I think, yep. or Enhancement, Enhance, Enhanced that allows ability. you to get, like, advantage, right? So you can stockpile these things um, on top of each other to get really high skill checks, which is why I think that it's always important, we've talked about this on the show before, that the DM set a DC. Don't just decide something's impossible. Yep. Um, if you can avoid it, pr- try to set a DC instead because characters will combine powers to get to that level of achievement, and they should, right? You should yeah, reward that. It. I'm just imagining the uh, you've got the the war the paladin is hanging over the edge of something, right? He's exhausted. He's been hu- uh, hiking for miles in his big armor. He's ex- he's hanging from there. He's got disadvantage. The bards bust out his loot, plays a song. Come on, you can do it. Pull yourself right up right now. While the guard, while the while the cleric is praying to his DD, please give him a lift, give him extra hand spikes or something. And then um, having somebody else hand, cast an enhanced spell to enhance their strength, all that compiles into what would have been probably a potential failure. And can it's so much more rewarding than relying on just a single roll. You know what I mean? So yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. That'll do it for our show today. Before we close out, though, we always give away Fat Loot with our RPG Fat Loot giveaway. Brandon, so you walk into a tavern. What is this book about? This book. uh, The volume aids in creating a tavern or an inn from its appearance and staff to what can occur there. And this is a book that I haven't known about. I might actually pick it up myself because I can't help but make the same exact tavern over and over again. It's getting uh, really yeah. annoying. You need to get this book. Then. <laughs> it's <laughs> chapter, super easy. <laughs> inside you will discover chapter one, everything about the appearance of a tavern slash inn, including various special features. Chapter two, the owner, staff, and customers, everything you need to create them from scratch. Chapter three, events, a list and a description of many events that can happen when the characters visit a tavern or an inn. And finally, chapter four. Rules for the tavern brawls and chases. Or, yeah, rules for tavern brawls and chases. Two taverns ready to be used in your campaign, and tables to randomly generate thousands of different tavern names. 
And honestly, Brandon, you're right on point. We have a tendency to generate the exact same things. So having something on hand that does that is really great. Who is the winner of this fantastic project? Uh, our winner is Ultramarine Command. Congratulations to Ultra Ultramarine Command. You are this week's winner of the Crit Academy RPG Fat Loot Giveaway. So you walk into a tavern. Yeah. If you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. That's it. Sign up for a newsletter. That's all That's it takes. It. <laughs> That's easy. Uh-huh. If you enjoy our show today and you want to support us, please visit CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media and leave us a review. If you want to um, go the extra mile, please consider becoming a patron. We are constantly giving away uh, adventure maps, um, and, uh, new bounty boards, wonderful NPC uh, uh NPC card so you can just flip up show your players this character and then there's personality traits on the back for you to, to uh, use um, new magical spell reagents um, there's so much stuff that we get we, we just we provide to our patrons so if you just stop in drop in and say hi join our discord community some good people in there um, <laughs> some I, yeah there are some uh, <laughs> yeah, most are assholes <laughs> some of us are assholes yes uh, all right i think that's it is there anything else that we uh oh there's one more thing that i almost forgot yeah, just a reminder we will be off next week for memorial day holiday here in the united states of america yep. we will be returning on june 5th with our brand new studio <laughs> be sure to join us for the big reveal it's going to be so exciting i have sent some preview pictures to to Ian and Brandon, and I think it was some pretty powerful reactions. Yeah, so. I, I, was, I was showing uh, Jesse and the brother and all that. I was like, look at this. Why didn't we think of doing this before? Look, Oh, my God, look at that right there. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, why are you so Don't excited? give away nothing. Like, Shut up. I like, I like my new chair. I think you guys will, will enjoy it a lot. All right. I so think how hard was it to, I... to cheese it dust off one of those chairs? Just saying. Oh, my God. Literally, one kid sits in it once, and I'm like, no! <laughs> All right, Sorry. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. We'll see you later. Bye.